15 through 17. I'm going to read and then we're going to pray and then we'll get going. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 says this, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray real quick, so if we can pause, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Lord, we love you, and God, we do need your help. Lord, I need your Holy Spirit power, Lord, to preach, Lord, and to use this message, Lord, that I've studied, Lord, to be able to help these young people. And God, they need your help, Lord, to Lord, tune out the things that they have going on in their lives right now to focus on your word. And God, would you teach us something? God, would you grow us? We love you once again, and we thank you for all that you do for us. God, everything that you'll do, we'll be quick to give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about Paul writing to Timothy, about continuing in the things that you learned, which is the whole scope of this whole series, about continuing, keep going, doing the things that you know to be right. He said, continue on the things which I have learned, has been assured of, knowing of whom thou have learned. And he goes straight into this passage that's very familiar, so I'm not even going to spend a lot of time reading the passage over and over again, but I think we need to take note. So, let's grab your handout. If you have your handout, you have a pen. We'll go to the importance of the Scriptures. Number 1, verse 15, says this. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So, the power of the Scripture. Number 1, the power of the Scripture. Timothy has known, he's been made aware of, the Scriptures since he was a child. Timothy has known, been made aware of the Scriptures since he was a child. He says, and that's from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now, every one of you in this room right now, as a teenager, have an awesome opportunity. And I know we don't always think of it that way because we go to church all the time. But do you know those people, young people around the world, that will go to bed tonight and they have never once heard the name of Jesus Christ? They have not once, not once, ever had the opportunity to go to church. They have not even once seen a copy of the scriptures in their language. Not even one time. And sometimes we take that for granted. And Paul writes to Timothy, Hey, Timothy, you've had an awesome, awesome privilege that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures. The word holy there. It's not the same holy that we always use all the time for God. The word holy means sacred. Sacred, regarded with reverence. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. This past Sunday when I preached from Deuteronomy chapter number 6, Mr. Kaufman came to me afterwards. And of course, Mr. Kaufman being Jewish, he had to learn Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7 in Hebrew, memorized. To be able to say Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7 and say it in Hebrew as a Jewish child. Now, we look at it, and I mean, I look at it, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a whole lot of information in English, much less to try and memorize it in Hebrew. We have the opportunity to hear the Word of God, but can I let you know this real quick, just as a side note? The opportunity to hear the Word of God is only what you make it. You talked to Mr. Kaufman, and the struggle that Mr. Kaufman had that he shared with, in RU, 
of his drug addictions and his other problems that he's had. It's a great, awesome opportunity to be able to know Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7 in Hebrew, in the original language, to be able to say it. But you know what? The Bible not applied to your life doesn't do anything. Just as me to have a pack of seeds for a plant that I want to plant in the garden and leave them in the bag and put them on the shelf and having all good intentions of one day I want to plant a garden. The Word of God has nothing. And Paul writes to him and he says, and that's my child. You have known the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures. The word there. Sacred. Something to hold in reverence. I told you we were going to mention this. But the way we treat our Bibles. You know there's a man named William Tyndale. If you studied Bible history, you know that William Tyndale, I believe it's like 78% of our King's Bible by hand translating the Word of God. Like 70% of it. Every person. Every person. We intend that his goal, even as handwritten, was that everybody could have their own copy of the Word of God that they could be able to read it. And you know what? William Tyndale never saw that. He slaved. Can you imagine sometimes you, you may have to write verses for your school. You might have to write three or four verses. Man, my hands hurt. Can you imagine looking at the original languages he didn't have a computer. He just didn't go over his computer. Da, da, da. Oh, what does that mean? He hand wrote the word of God because he believed, he believed that every person should have a copy of it. And he so believed it that the church then was totally against it. Hey, they can't have a copy of the Bible because they don't know how to read it. They wouldn't know what to do with it if we gave them a copy of the word of God. And William Tyndale was strangled on a post. The simple thing of he wanted to translate the word of God so that every person could have it. Hey, and that's what child thou hast known the holy, the sacred scriptures. They bound William Tyndale to a post, strangled him, and then burned his body to ashes. Because they did not believe that everybody should have a copy of the word of God. And yet, it's just it's just a Bible the awesome opportunity that we have to hold the very word of God. And just like I said, there's whole countries that do not even have a copy of the word of God in their language. They couldn't read it if they wanted to. But yet we from child, from children, my mom and dad started taking me to church when I was one year old. I've been to church as much as I can be from till now, to now 29 years old. And that from a child, I have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation. See, this book right here is sacred. If I were tonight to bring you a basketball, and I'd have brought you a basketball, and I told you, guys, this is, this is the last basketball that Michael Jordan shot in a Bulls jersey. And Michael Jordan has autographed this basketball for me. And I'm going to give it to someone here tonight. And I had that basketball. You may not even like Michael Jordan. You may think Michael Jordan's stupid. He's not the best player in the world. I mean, even if you didn't, if I were to hold that basketball and say, who wants this? The game, the winning person in the sword drill tonight will get this autographed basketball, the last basketball Jordan shot as a Bulls jersey. Now, I know you tried for some candy, but I can guarantee you there will be some pushing, some shoving. Hey, I'm going to get it. And if you got that basketball and I threw it to one of you guys and said, there it is. And I just chucked it across. Whoa, whoa, Pastor Word. Don't throw that basketball like that. 
I guarantee you that after church, if I gave you that basketball, you would not be out in the hoops out here. <laughs> Man, I can see how Michael Jordan could really play with this ball. This is pretty nice. Ah, oh, rolls into the snow. Oh man, hey, throw that ball. Oh, there you go. You would not do that with that basketball. Why? Well, it's worth something. Pastor Burns, that basketball is worth something. That was Michael Jordan's last ball touched. Before, I mean, as a bull, I, I can see the shot over the Utah Jazz right there. And that's the last one. Pastor Burns, we're going to treat that with respect. Can I ask you? But William Tyndale would have thought if he was standing in this room and saw one of us toss a Bible across the room. Oh, it's just a Bible. But he got strangled to death because he just had a dream that every person should own a copy of it. And that's from a child. You've had the opportunity to know the Holy Scriptures. He goes on. Which are able to make thee wise. The Scriptures, they do two things. Number one, they instruct me in the way of salvation. And two, mixed with faith, bring me to salvation. Instruct me in the way of salvation. And two, mixed with faith, bring me to salvation. So here it is. You know nothing about salvation outside of this book. I told you multiple times. I've walked down and the boardwalk in Pensacola was a friend who said, hey, I want you to come with me and let's just go walk down there and tell people, ask people questions about the Lord. And so I walked down and people were standing there. It's like midnight. And they're just standing there goofing off, and we're like, hey, can we talk to you for a second? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we can talk. How do you think you get to heaven? And you listen to the weirdest things in the world. How do you get to heaven? Well, I'm going to heaven because they're drinking a beer in the hand. I'm going to heaven because, man, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. Okay, okay, that's great. That's a good answer. Where do you get that? Well, I get it because I'm a, guy, a good guy. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything deserving hell. Okay, okay. Fair. Where do you get that from? Well, I kind of heard this and I kind of heard that and I put them all together. Can I tell you something? And that for a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation, there is nowhere that you will find out to get to heaven outside of this book. And Pastor Timothy, hey, this book is important because it makes you, gives you the ability, it instructs you how to, go to, how to get to heaven. And secondly, it teaches you about Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. It is not baptism. It is not my church membership. It is not coming to youth group. It is none of those things that get me to heaven. It is Jesus Christ. And that's what this book does. So whenever I or you look at this book and say, you know what? It's just a Bible. You don't understand. It's not just a Bible. It's not just a book. This is the only book that tells me how I can spend eternity in heaven. You know what? That's why it's sad that there's people that will go to bed tonight and have never heard the name of Jesus. That's why it's sad that there are young people that don't have a copy of the Word of God in their language. That's why it's sad that William Tyndale was strangled because he, he wanted everyone to have a copy. Because see, this is not just a book. And if you would ask William Tyndale, hey, that Bible you carry around, what's so special about it? I'm sure William Tyndale would say, hey, I've got to make this into the English language because these people need to know how they can get to heaven. He said, it's made you wise in the salvation through the faith that is in Jesus Christ. So not only is this book important because it's the only way I find out how to get to heaven. Secondly, to the prophet of Scripture. It profits. 
the prophet of Scripture, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's proper for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that a man, I mean, that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished under all good works. The Scripture has authority because it was inspired, breathed by God. So, the Scripture has authority because it was breathed by God. Paul here is talking about the Old Testament. Hey, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we know, given the arcane of Scripture, that it's profitable. So what is the word profitable? The Scriptures are profitable. They're useful. Advantageous for us. If I were to tell you, as you were, if you were, some of those of you have your license or not, the other night we were, we went back home from church, I think it was Sunday night. We were leaving home from church and we stopped on Vienna Road and I guess there was an accident at Vienna and Webster. And it was, I mean, we sat there for a good 15 minutes and traffic wasn't going anywhere. So I decided to go around and go a different way. Now, if you, if I, you were behind me and I called you and I said, hey, it's probably advantageous for you to go a different direction because this way is blocked, you would know. You're like, oh, well, we're not going to take Vienna. We're going to take a different way. Because right now that's backed up. Can I tell you? The Bible is advantageous for you for your life. So if you're saying, hey, as I'm navigating the world of life, I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do as a teenager. I'm supposed to try to navigate my way to being an adult. If I say the Word of God is profitable, it's advantageous to you to take its, its doctrine. Why? Because it does four things. Number one, doctrine. Teaching. It's probable for doctrine, for teaching. I can open this book, and I can teach you pretty much everything you need to know about life from this this book. You know what? I find out, and I have to continue doing this, how to be a father to my children. I find out from this book. Hey, Pastor Bird, how are you going to learn how to be a dad that, that raises a daughter and a son that tries to serve the Lord? I don't know. I didn't write any book. I didn't, I don't have a manual. You me tell you how I learned to be a father? I grabbed this book. How are you going to live your life? It's profitable. It's advantageous to teaching in this book. How do, you, how do I relate to authority? Oh, I go to Romans 13. It says, hey, obey them to have the rule of you. See, they watch for your souls. Hey, that, that's how I do it. How do I learn how to honor my father and mother? Oh, I go over to Ephesians. I go back to Deuteronomy. It's about for doctrine, for teaching. Number two, for reproof. For conviction, for rebuke. Reproof means conviction or rebuke. We don't like to be told that we're doing things wrong, do we? There's a whole like phrase that we use nowadays when people tell me when we're doing something wrong and I don't like it. You say, don't judge me. Hey, don't judge me. Can I tell you, the Bible has the authority, because it is God-breathed, to judge you? Hey, this is what the Bible says. Anger, let all anger, wrath, and malice be put away from you. If you call yourself a Christian. You know what? That rebukes me. Because when I fly off the handle, or I think something doesn't go my way, and I get angry, guess what the Bible does? It rebukes me. Hey, Aaron. No, put the anger out of it. Get the anger away. Well, you don't understand the situation. No, the Bible just jumps in my face and rebukes. Can I tell you that if you have a friend that can let you walk into doing what is wrong, they're not your friend? 
The Bible says in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Hey, a friend that just gets up in your face and says, hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Hey, you can't do that. Can I tell you that if you have a friend that will stand right beside you and you listen to ungodly music and they say, I want you to listen to I listen to such and such. And there's cursing and all this other things in it. And they stand beside you and they don't look at you and say, hey, what are you doing, man? That's your life. They're not your friend. See, the Word of God is prompted for doctrine. It teaches you, hey, how do I become a father that I need to be? I get in the book. How do I become a student I need to be? I get in the book. But it's also for rebuke. The Word of God looks you right in the face and says, hey, Aaron, you're wrong. And you know what? I don't say to God, stop judging me. Stop judging me. No, because the Bible is prompted for doctrine, for proof. God says, hey, there are some things in your life that you are not to do, and God says it unashamedly. God is not sitting in heaven thinking, oh, well, I don't know how I'm going to tell them that they don't need to be doing that. No. Well, God just says, stop. Don't do it. In the Old Testament, you rebel against your mom and dad. Hey, mom, I'm not going to do that. Oh, I'm warning you, son, you probably should have to do that. I'm tired of you, mom and dad. You know what they did? They drug you out in the city and they stoned you to death. There was no repeat offenders in the rebellious thing. Hey, you know what they did when people committed immorality back in the day in the Old Testament? They killed them. Oh, they're immoral. Kill them. Can I tell you that God is not in no way... I'm not saying God's killing everybody for sitting nowadays because we live under God's wonderful grace because we do deserve it. But can I tell you that God is not sitting up in heaven thinking, I don't know how I'm going to tell them this is wrong. God said in his word, there are some things that you are not to do. And God will get right in our face as we read the word of God and say, hey, don't do that. We go on for correction. It means straightening up again. Correction, straightening up again. In in North Carolina, as well as in Florida, seems like wherever I move, there's hurricanes except for here. So, if you guys get a hurricane now, then you know it's my fault. Then I, it's like Jonah just go ahead and throw me overboard. But uh, so far, as we looked at, um, we have not had a hurricane here. But growing up in North Carolina, we had hurricanes. And I remember my dad was like a big yard person, so he did a lot of yard work, and he would plant new trees. And you get a hurricane with like 70, 80 miles an hour winds, and you got a little tree after it like bends like this for like eight hours, you come outside and the tree does not stand up. So what my dad would do, he'd go get three little sticks, two pegs, he'd put them in the ground, he'd tie a rope to them all to get that tree to stand back up straight. That's what the word correction means. The word of God tells me how I to live. Hey, Pastor Burden, why in the world are you always talking about how bad this is and how bad this is? You know what the Bible just doesn't always say everything's bad. It tells you, hey, this is how you correct your life. This is how you ought to live. Hey, meditate on my word. Then thou shalt have good success. You'll prosper. He says, I want to put correction in there. Hey, yeah, I know the world right now is just blowing you away, but guess what? You come back to my word, and you get straightened back up again. You just start to get into God's word again. It's like, oh, okay, this is how I ought to live. Oh, well, so-and-so says I should do this. So-and-so, no. You come back to the word of God because it's profitable. It's advantageous for your correction. It goes on. Lastly, for instruction in righteousness. For education or training and adhering to moral principles. For education or training and adhering to moral principles. 
The Word of God tells me how to live right. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Familiar passage. You know what the Bible's trying to do? It's trying to tell you, hey, this is how you should live your life right. Hey, I'm going to have a decision to make. Go to James. If any man out lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which give it all men liberally, and obeyeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers like a wave of sea, drew with the wind and toss. But not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hey, I got a decision to make. But you know what I'll do? I'll get wisdom from the Lord of God, because it tells me, instructs me in righteousness, in the way that I should go. So as I'm looking, hey, I've got this problem in my life. I've got to find a husband, a wife one day. Those of you, you go to the Bible and find out how to be instructed in righteousness. Hey, there's a way you ought to go, and then you look in the Word of God to find out how to make that. He goes on, and this sums it all up. The preparation of Scripture, Paul tells Timothy, hey, verse 17, that the men of God may be perfect through the flesh and all good works. The Scripture prepares me to do what God has called me to do. The word perfect there means complete. Perfect means complete. Thoroughly furnished means fully equipped. Fully equipped. If I were to tell you guys tonight that I had bought a new car, it would probably be more of a new minivan, but if, <laughs> which I'm happy about. I'll be glad. if I told my wife one day if she doesn't want to drive a minivan, that's fine. I'll put dad's minivan on the front and I'll drive and park it right now, park the space out there, and I will be proud of it. I'm, I'm fine with that. But when we look at, if I told you tonight that I had got a brand new minivan, and I went outside and you guys sat in it, yeah, right, and then next time we go on a trip, you guys are going to ask, Hey, Pastor Ben, can I ride with you? Can I ride with you? Because your van has DV players and all. If I, told, if I told you it was fully equipped, I'd say, I, I got a new van. It's fully equipped. And you got in my van, and you're like, pull down. Oh, wow, leather seat. Wow. Pastor Burton, this is nice. I mean, for a van, this is nice. And you start looking around at all the features, and I told you, you would know that meant it had everything they had to offer in this van. Can I tell you this? The Word of God, the reason we have it, so that the man, the woman, the Word there is Antipas, mankind, human being, that the man, the woman of God, may be perfect, complete, and thoroughly furnished. Hey, everything I need, God has given me. Just as, just as, just as if I pulled up a man and said, hey, it's, it's decked out, has everything. This is what the Word of God does. And so if you don't get this young person, you'll miss it. You'll miss everything in life. This book right here holds everything you need. I can unashamedly, I don't say this because I get paid to, I don't I believe this with all my heart. I can give you this book right here, and I can tell you that it has every single answer for everything you need in your life. And the reason you say, well, Pastor Burton, I have this problem, have you read the Bible and tried to find out what God has for you? See, he given it so the man of God, woman of God, may be perfect, complete, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hey, when I could fully believe that if I gave this Bible right here to Noah, I could walk away saying, you know what, I've given Noah everything he needs to know for life. Everything. He doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need Dr. So-and-so's book. He doesn't need anything. He just needs to find out. He needs to get in the Word of God and find out how it works. So, hey, what's so important about the Bible? It has power. The power of the Word of God is this. And that's what a child 
from a young person, you've had the opportunity to know the Holy Scriptures, the sacred, the something I should hold in reverence. As though the Holy Scriptures would be able to make you wise in the salvation. Hey, how do you know you're going to heaven? That book. Hey, Aaron, can you tell me why you know that if you plowed into an 18 year old on the way home from church that you wake up in heaven? You know what I can say? Not because Aaron didn't say anything, but because that book right there tells me whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It makes me wise in the salvation. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, it tells me about Jesus Christ. It tells me how much he loves me. It tells me how good he is. And you know what? And all scripture is profitable. It is advantageous for me, for doctrine, to be able to teach me how to live. For improve, to get in my face and say, hey, Aaron Burton, you are wrong. And you need to get right. For correction, hey, I need to be straightened back up again. Because you know what? The world and the flesh and put kind of put, I need to be straightened back up again. For correction, for instruction righteousness. Hey, how do I do this? How do I go this way? I go to the Word of God. That the man of God will be perfect, complete, thoroughly first. I've got everything I need. It's all good works. Do every good thing God wants me to do, I have it right there. Now, listen to me real quick. Follow me and we're done. If I were to, if I were a soldier and I was going to, let's say, Iraq, Afghanistan or whatever, and I had sat through training after training, they showed me how to use my gun. I mean, I went through and I could use a gun proficiently. When we went to, when we went to training exercises, oh, I carried the gun correctly. Never really bothered to fire it, but I knew. I know how to use it. So when it came time for battle, I would be ready. Now, walk with me to a battle scenario here. Uh, we're coming in. I am called to go take out the enemy. I've paid attention in those classes. I sat through all those training sessions. Yeah, I know what to do. And I grab my gun, and I go in like they do, and I... I I'm cautious about everything. I mean, I bring my gun down. I'm going to the spot, sticking, going around. I'm doing everything that they do in Call of Duty. No, I'm just kidding. I'm doing everything that they've taught me how to do in training. And you know what? I get through there, and then I get the letter comes back home to my mom. Says Aaron Burden didn't make it. He didn't make it. He tried. He did a good effort. And my mom tries to get more inquisitive. How did he die? Well, see, he walked under the enemy, and he had his gun and everything. It was loaded. But he didn't bother to use it because he wasn't sure if it really would shoot. He just was standing there like, I don't know if this is going to work or not. I mean, watching those videos, they're watching that, but I don't know if it's going to work or not. And I stood there, and you know what? They took him out. I mean, it was like... <laughs> it's not funny, but they did, they, 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 they took pastor, they took first class private, whatever, private first class Aaron Burton out. He was still a level one. <laughs> and then you know why? Because he ran into battle and he thought he was ready, but he was, you say, Pastor Burton, see, that's the life. We're living. What if it happened like this? Oh, Pastor Burton went into the battle. How did my son die while well, he went into the battle and, he was just so preoccupied with everything that was going around. Wow, they have cool birds here. <laughs>